So tonight I'm going to talk about, the title is The Bagua as a Path of Healing. The Bagua is a, an ancient Chinese system. Let's see. So this is a very traditional diagram the Tai Chi Tu with the Bagua. The Tai Chi Tu is what Americans call the, the yin yang. And the Bagua, or the eight trigrams, are surrounding it. it. It's thought in Chinese that the great Tao, when it flows into the world, flows into yin and yang, and then yin and yang differentiate into the eight trigrams, and these create the energies of the world. So the eight trigrams are the Bagua. These are the eight trigrams. And as a general rule, a solid line means yang, and a line with a with a a break in the middle of it means yin. And so these are the the eight trigrams, and each one has a certain meaning to it. Um, obviously number one is all yang and number eight is all yin. Now, incidentally, these trigrams are the basis of the I Ching, and I Ching hexagrams are made by one trigram on top of another. It's, it's generally imagined that the trigram on top is the, you know, if we were thinking the, the hexagram is representing the state of a human, the trigram on the top is the outer presentation of the human, and the trigram on the bottom would be their inner state. So, for example, this would be a tip. This is actually a, a hexagram from the I Ching. And this one, on the outside, it's all yang, and on the inside, it's all yin. So, this would be someone who's very forceful and, and blustery on the outside. Let me tell you how it should be. But on the inside, they're, they're confused, and there's, there's, there's no clarity on the inside. So someone like that is not going to be very successful in the world. And in fact, this, the name of this hexagram is something like obstacles or standstill. Now, by contrast, this system, this, this hexagram, has all yin on the outside and all yang on the inside. So this would be someone who on the outside is very accommodating, humble, quiet, but on the inside knows the way of heaven. So this, in some ways, would be a, a pictorial representation of a Taoist sage or a Zen master. And the title of this one is Peace or Tranquility. That's, that's a little bit about how the, the hexagrams are used in the I Ching. Now, the hexagrams have a cycle and this is a very complicated drawing of the cycle. It shows the cycle of the hexagrams in ancient China. It was integrated with compass directions, with seasons, with the five elements. Um, so there's a lot of detail here. I'll go through each one of the trigrams. The first trigram is often called the arousing. It represents thunder. This has a very, and it, it's thought incidentally, how can I say, in 
the Western world, we conceive of thunder as coming from the sky. We think of, of sky gods, you know, Odin or Zeus throwing down thunder from above. In China, they thought of thunder and lightning as coming up from the earth. And in fact, from the from the point of view of physics, it really doesn't matter which way you go. I mean, you're completing a circuit. It doesn't matter which way you say it goes. But it, it's an interesting way to think about it. Thunder coming from the earth, shocking from below, shaking up. This one, the gentle, it, it's represented by either wood, wind or wood. And those, those may seem like two different things. In Chinese cosmology, they're actually very similar. They, they, both, they, both have a, they both have similar qualities, according to the Chinese. Um, this is also something that enters from below, the way wood pushes up from below. We say a, a tree root pushes up a sidewalk. Um, so there's a there's a very there's a powerful spring energy to this hexagram. The clinging or fire. And it, it's fascinating the way they, they they formulate this. So fire fire clings to wood, so they call it the clinging. And and by extension, it it's about the way people cling to each other or congregate. And so it's about awareness and about get people getting together and being together. The receptive is pure yin. And so this represents the earth. It has the quality of humility, receptivity, and but like the earth, it, it supports, it sustains, but it also brings forth produce. It brings forth tremendous abundance. So there's, there's a, a very creative quality to the earth. This symbol is a lake the joyous. And so it, it's funny, the, the, the action stimulate, it was thought that lakes stimulated the environment around them. And much in the same way, words stimulate, words have the potential to stimulate, to cheer us up, to inspire us. So it's that combination of symbols connected in this trigram. This one, the creative, is pure yang. Um, and so this is this kind of um, ability to go on in this almost unwearied manner. The way the planets just continue to circle the sun. They never get tired circling the sun. This kind of thing. Now, a few hexagrams ago, we had... We had lake. This one is just water, just running water. Um, and it's called the abysmal, the idea of water plunging into a gorge. And so water, as it levels and dissolves things, um, the, the action of 
falling, of dropping, dropping into an abyss. All of this is contained in this trigram. And the last is mountain, keeping still. And so there's, there's tremendous stillness in the hexagram. Mountains, of course, limits and sets off places. You know, mountains often provide boundaries for countries, especially ancient countries. Mount, mountain ranges would provide boundaries for them. So all this is contained in this trigram. And Confucius talked about this cycle. So I'm going to share this quote from Confucius. God comes forth in the sign of the arousing. He brings all things to completion in the sign of the gentle. He causes the creatures to perceive one another in the sign of the clinging. He causes them to serve one another in the sign of the receptive. He gives them joy in the sign of the joyous. He battles in the sign of the creative. He toils in the sign of the abysmal. He brings them to perfection in the sign of keeping still. And so it it in in many ways it it briefly explains this cycle that moves through all eight of the trigrams. The eight trigrams here are in bold. So I want to talk about this because I think this cycle tells us a lot about the cycle of healing. So this this first statement, God comes forth in the sign of the arousing. God comes forth in a shock. Or we could even say healing comes forth. Healing enters our life as a shock. You know, and there's something profound there. You know, I I think there's a, a tendency, you know, when we're going along in life and we've been comfortable for a while, you know, we feel good about life. We we get very comfortable and there even though even if we valorize change even though we might say change is a good thing there's there's i think there's always some ways that parts of us resist change and when the change becomes necessary or when the the world you know compels us to change then it's a shock um often often the first encounter with a larger version of ourselves is a shock. It, it's disorienting. It's unsettling. Um, and how can I say? Our, uh, our mammalian minds, our, our mammalian brains don't like shock. We don't like when things shake, th- you know, we don't like being shaken up from below. Um, really takes tremendous capacity to recognize that in something that is a shock or in something that completely shakes things up, that there may well be a blessing in that. It's not necessarily going to be the easiest way that a blessing could present itself, but it is a kind of blessing. So healing begins with a kind of shock. And then notice there are different translations. He brings all things to completion in the sign of the gentle. Things are concerted in the, in the gua of Jun, or they're arranged in this gua. 
I guess what I would say about this is once the once we've experienced the shock, once once there's a a threshold of healing that is opened in our lives, um, it's so important to be gentle, to be gentle and grounded, to be part part of the part of the energy of this trigram is about proceeding humbly, being humble, gentle grounded um part of it is also you might say beginner's mind you know it it's the nature of a shock or disorientation that it can bring us back to remembering to be in beginner's mind once again and and question everything and just live out our questions so all this is in the is contained in the trigram of the the gentle And then the next is is the clinging or radiance. He causes creatures to see one another in the sign of the clinging or mutually seen manifests in this, this hexagram. This is the stage of healing where we actually start to get a clue. We start to have some understanding of, of what the issue is. You know, we started out shocked and disoriented. At this point, we have some awareness of what what the threshold is that we're crossing in our life you know we might be able to state the the problem or state the question and not know what the solution is but at least we were able to see it in some way um and with with lee there's also the connotation of people gathering this this can be an important time to start seeking out support to start talking through things and processing with friends or with a coach or with a professional support um, all of this about getting, getting this understanding, seeing, seeing the situation more clearly. And after the clinging, very interesting, we get to the receptive. Tremendous humility, tremendous yin energy. He causes them to serve each other in the sign of the sept or delivering service. Um, I think the way I would frame this in the healing process, this is about cultivating a deep allowing. Why a deep allowing? Because places in us that have been wounded in childhood and then neglected for years, these places are when we first contact them, they're very needy, they're very damaged, they've, they've, been, they've been repressed for so long. Um, they, need, they need to feel this invitation of allowing so that they can move through whatever they need to move through so that we can begin to relate to them in a healthier way. Um, it's so important just to cultivate the allowing just to allow those those neglected parts of ourselves to approach us however it feels right for them to approach us, you know. You know, and it, it's much in the same way that, you know, it'd be a horrible thing, but imagine you discovered a child who had been locked in a closet for a long time and let them out. 
you know, you let that child out, you wouldn't begin by barking orders at them. You begin by listening deeply. What do they need? You know, how can I support? You know, this kind of thing. It, it's that sort of energy. So then the next one, Lake, is, is almost funny in a way. There's, there's an energy of joy here. There's an energy of verbal energy. And this is often the place in the healing process where we start to see the solution. We, we get it at a head level, but we can't live it yet. We can talk the talk, but we can't walk the walk, you know. And in our, in our society that is very word drunk, that is very um, head run, Sometimes people think they're at the end of the road here. Like, like, all right, I'm done. I got here. I can talk about it. I'm done, you know. And this is not actually the end of the cycle, but it is, it is an important stage when we are able, you know, it is an important stage to get to the place where I can talk the talk, knowing I still have to do more work in order to be able to walk the walk. Um, but there is a kind of joy at this moment. So after this, what is required to walk the walk? Well, then we get the creative. And it uses these, these images of battling, battling in the sign of the creative. Um, the way I would say it is the creative demands rigorous discipline. Rigorous discipline and commitment. Um, the magic of commitment is that without commitment, we would never face our, our, the most painful places in ourselves, you know. And without commitment, two people, you know, I mean, when two people get together, sooner or later, some of their most painful places are going to, you know, be triggered by each other. I mean, they're, especially if there are primary attachments involved. Um, Without commitment, then, then there's no way that I can show, you know, as it were, my ugliest face, you know. And, and my partner can't show her ugliest face. But if we're really committed, deeply committed, then we can each show each other our ugliest face. And that's exactly what allows for healing. Um, much in the same way, when we're able to have the discipline to be fully present to our own brokenness, to our own dragons, to our own demons, that discipline and that 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 constant um, that constant going back to compassionate attention over and over and over again, that is what opens up these painful places. So, discipline and commitment, many, many of the qualities that you would find, for example, in an army. And of course, that discipline and commitment will take us down into the gorge, take us down into the level where old forms are dissolved, you know, how can I say? It, it is part of the healing process, part of the growth process, that part of us is, as it were, liquefied, 
You know, it's it's an amazing thing about, you know, we talk about the caterpillar going into the co- the cocoon or the chrysalis. When the caterpillar is in the chrysalis, it completely liquefies and then completely reforms as a butterfly, you know? And so the abysmal here, in some sense, represents that deep chrysalis, that place where we we have the discipline enough to go to the place where in some way we liquefy and can reform. And then finally keeping still. Back a few trigrams ago, it was the stage where we were talking the talk and and at that stage, I have to talk about the healing in order for it to be real. I have to like justify it and prove it to others and get, get others feedback and get validation from others. This is the stage where I own the healing, where I hold it in stillness, where I don't need to show it off because I there's this deep knowing, it is mine now and I'm living it, you know? And so that in many ways is the goal of the healing. And that kind of stillness also, that it's a dynamic stillness here, but of course the tendency is it might lead to stagnation which would lead to shock in the next cycle. So I'm going to stop the sharing at this point, and I'm going to share the quote sheet. So, Corey, you can pass out the physical quote sheets. Oh, for some reason it... uh, doesn't want to paste what I copied earlier. Okay. Okay, give me a moment here. I have to recopy. Okay, we happy now? Yes, there we go. Okay, quote sheet. So it's a long quote sheet. At the top, I have the quote from Confucius from his commentary on the Yijing. Um, under Zhang, the arousing. So these are these are commentaries on the Yijing compiled by Richard Wilhelm. Shock brings success. Shock comes. Uh oh, laughing words. Ha ha. The shock terrifies for a hundred miles around, and one does not let fall the sacrificial spoon and chalice. So the idea is that the person is so um, engaged in the ceremony that even when the shock terrifies people a hundred miles around, they, they maintain their reverence in the ceremony, you know, to have that level of presence. And a, a quote from Rumi, a famous one, the wound is the place where the light enters you. God comes forth in the sign of the arousing, you know. For the for Jun, the gentle, penetration produces gradual and inconspicuous effects. This is the penetration of wind or wood. It should never be affected. It should be affected not by an act of violation, but by an influence that never laps, lapses. 
So the idea that wind or wood are these influences that never, never lapse. The results of this kind are less striking to the eye than those won by surprise attack, but they are more enduring and more complete. If one pr would produce such effects, one must have a clearly defined goal, for only when the penetrating influence works always in the same direction can the object be attained. And so very gent very interesting, this gentle but constant effort that is that is part of that hexagram. And Emily Dickinson says, the truth dazzles gradually, or else the world would be blind. From fire, the clinging. The Yijing says, what is dark clings to what is light, and so enhances the brightness of the latter. A luminous thing giving out light must have within it something that, that perseveres, otherwise it will in time burn itself out. Everything that gives light is dependent on something to which it clings in order that it may shine. Thus the sun and moon cling to heaven and grains and grass and trees cling to the earth. So too the twofold clarity of the dedicated person clings to what is right and thereby can shape the world. Human life on earth is conditioned and unfree and when a person recognizes this limitation and makes himself dependent on the harmonious and beneficial forces of the cosmos, they achieve success. By cultivating in themselves an attitude of compliance and voluntary dependence, this person acquires clarity without sharpness and finds their place in the world. And Brene Brown says, if we can share our story with someone who responds with empathy and understanding, Shame can't survive. That is part of the energy, the congregating energy of Lee. From the earth, the receptive. Let us open our leaves like a flower and be passive and receptive, says John Keats. Psychologist Carl Rogers said, call on your natural curiosity as you focus inward. Try to let go of any preconceived ideas and instead listen in a kind, receptive way to your body and heart. Sorry, that was Tara Brock. Sorry, that was Tara Brock. Carl Rogers said very characteristically, the curious paradox is that when I accept myself just as I am, then I can change. And Veronica Tilueva says, authenticity is not the search for uniqueness. An oak tree does not try to become an oak tree. A cactus does not try to become a cactus. All living things simply reach for nourishment. They reach for sun, they reach for water, they reach their earth, their roots deeper into the ground. By being open to receiving what they need, they become unique effortlessly. So let yourself fall open. Forget about crafting a unique personality. Just allow. Allow in love, allow pain, allow desire, allow learning, allow healing, allow frustration, allow uncertainty. Allow yourself to experience what you must experience and learn what you need to learn so that your uniqueness can emerge organically. I like that quote. From Lake, the joyous. The joyous mood is infectious and thereby brings success. But joy must be based on steadfastness if it is not to degenerate into uncontrolled mirth. Truth and strength must dwell in the heart while gentleness reveals itself in 
social intercourse. In this way, one assumes a right attitude toward God and humans and achieves something. Under certain conditions, intimidation without gentleness may achieve something momentarily, but not for all time. When, on the other hand, people's hearts are won by friendliness, they are led to take all hardships upon themselves willingly, and if need be, will not shun death itself. So great is the power of joy over us. And sort of on the downside of, of the, the, the talk as you talk the talk stage, Joe Abercrombie says, get what you can get with words, because words are free. Heaven, the creative, the disciplined. Race Mamenikin says, to me, self-discipline is self-love. Your ability to have some kind of self-discipline around what it takes for you to have a sense that you are whole, good, and you matter is about having self-discipline to take care of yourself daily. And in giving yourself what you need consistently every day, even when you don't feel like it, to do that daily. Dr. Angela Lee Duckworth said, Grit is passion and perseverance for very long-term goals. Grit is having stamina. Grit is sticking with your future day in and day out, not just for the week, not just for the month, but for years, and working really hard to make that future reality. Grit is living life like it's a marathon, not a sprint. From the abysmal, David White said, he was talking about Vajrapani, this this guardian Buddhist figure who has a holds a, a sphere and a skull cup. And he said, the sphere of the Vajrapani figure is the right kind of peril, the right kind of danger you're supposed to put yourself into when you're willing and generous enough to let go of whatever ideas you had about yourself or your life beforehand. You're willing to scare yourself a little. The invitation is worth frightening yourself a little. It's fascinating. He talked a few times about finding the right kind of danger. And he, he said, you know, in life often the only way we learn about the right kind of danger is because we've all run up against the wrong kind of danger too many times that we've learned from that, you know. Marion Woodman says, body work must be approached with the same respect and attentiveness that one gives to dreams. The body has a wisdom of its own. However, slowly and circuitously that wisdom manifests, once it is experienced, it is a foundation, a basis of knowing that gives confidence and total support to the ego. To reach its wisdom requires absolute concentration, dropping the mind into the body, breathing into what is, whatever is ready to be released, and allowing the process of expression until the negative damned energy is out, making room for positive energy, genuine light to flow in. So again, the importance of allowing in that passage. Incidentally, I highly recommend that book, The Pregnant Virgin by Marion Woodman. Race Mamenikin said very simply, practice is controlled failure. That, that's a wonderful thing to keep in mind as we sit in meditation. Practice is controlled failure. From keeping still, the I Ching says, true quiet means keeping still when the time has come to keep still and going forward when the time has come to go forward. In this way, rest and movement are in agreement with the demands of the time and thus there is light in the world. When a person has become 
calm, they may turn to the outside world. Then they no longer see in it the struggle and tumult of individual beings, and therefore they have that true peace of mind which is needed for understanding the great laws of the universe and for acting in harmony with them. Whoever acts from these deep levels makes no mistake. The Taoist sage Zhuangzi said, Men cannot see the reflection in running water, but only in still water. Only that which is itself still can still the seekers of stillness. If water derives its lucidity from stillness, how much more the faculties of the mind. The mind of the sage, being in repose, becomes a mirror of the universe. Hermann Hesse said, Within you there is stillness and a sanctuary to which you can retreat at any time and be yourself. And finally, Eckhart Tolle said, You are the stillness beneath the mental noise.